Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me, a fellow contributor, Akshaz Dividula. Akshaz, how are things, my friend? Pretty good. Um, kind of calm before the storm in mm-hmm. all facets of my life right now, including <laughs> football. So yeah. it's just anticipation, basically. But I'm excited. We're going to have some some fun times up ahead. Yeah, man. Um, so what we were like... Uh, 16 17 like it's like two and a half weeks right out um for the season at this point um some something like that 17 days or 18 days or something like that as we sit here recording on a wednesday night um for me um wednesday kind of early evening for you i suppose um but uh (laughs) we're yeah i think uh the the training camp is over and the the rosters have been cut down which we're going to talk about here uh quite extensively throughout this this episode and um pretty much all that's left to do is to prepare for now we prepare for week one right we start talking about the Steelers and we start talking about uh what the rest of the season is going to look like and um I'm sure that will lead us to a lot of different conversations but um we kind of got to start with the thing that happened between this episode and the last. So our last episode, we talked about uh, the Trey Lance demotion. And in between the time when that episode was released, I, I actually think it was the very day that that episode was released, if I'm not mistaken, released it on a Friday morning, Eastern time. And by the time the the hours before the, the, the 49ers took on uh, the Chargers at Levi Stadium, for their final preseason game, Trey Lance had been traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, come find out, uh, it was a, a fourth round pick was in 2024 was the compensation for that. Um, we could spend a lot of time talking about whether or not that it was the right trade or I don't, and, and whatever. Um, it, it happened and there you go. Um, I think we did most of the, the sort of like, commiseration over the the trade and how it happened i, I mean the, the original trade that brought lance to san francisco in the first place um but I, I don't know what what thoughts do we have about about this kind of separate from from what it means from the 49ers i don't know what what thoughts you have because we, we we talked about it a, a lance specifically a long time in the last episode so i'm not sure if you have any additional thoughts there or just kind of final farewells or what <laughs> Well, so a little behind the curtains, I had an article in the wings to kind of document the 49ers Lance kind of saga. And then the trade happened so fast. Now it's kind of kind of floating out there. So I'll just kind of summarize what I was going to write on that article. I think what happened with Lance is really kind of a question of it's like it's a failure on multiple parts, essentially. It's a failure of scouting, I think. Obviously, the 2021 draft was a weird one. There wasn't a lot of information out. COVID kind of messed up a lot of protocols. But the Niners assumed Lance would be more ready or more athletic, and he was neither of those things. So that's the first thing, is you went up and you picked a guy, and he wasn't what you thought you were, what he was. That's a failure on scouting. The next is kind of a failure on like organizational like preparation of your future quarterback. When you get a rookie, you have to be willing to either give him all the reps and let him get up to speed or like know you're going to sit him and like work on it that way. But I think the Niners had this Kyle Shanahan had this weird plan of getting Lance a few reps every game, just let him see live action. And that messed up the first team offense and the second team offense. And this kind of like extended, like weird, prolonged usage eventually led to Lance's finger injury against the Raiders in the preseason game, which obviously was a huge detriment to any progression he can make. But beyond that, I think having this idea of like having your cake and eating it too, which is what they did at the quarterback position, is really tough if you're going to like not commit 100% to your starter or to the rookie. And that's what happened, right? I think, undeniably, 
the best case scenario in that training camp in 2021 was Trey Lance beats Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that's what Kyle Shanahan wanted to see happen. I think that's what John Lynch wanted to see happen. I think that's what the brass wanted to see happen. But that isn't what happened. And obviously, the kind of aftermath of that was realizing that, okay, we have to develop him in the wings, but now he's hurt. The next year, I think the Niners actually do things right insofar as they decide we're going to give him a run, right? That's what you should do. And you give him his run and he gets hurt. That's where kind of the injuries are an unfortunate byproduct of this whole thing. But then we get to the decision now to trade him. And, you know, when we were discussing kind of the aftermath of demoting Lance, we talked about I don't really see the point of making Darnold QB2 versus Lance. I mean, what are you getting out of it per se? But trading him is a different thing entirely. And I think the trade, no matter how you put it, is unequivocally a failure by the 49ers. Not in like the, oh, like it's a bad trade to get a fourth round pick for Lance. I think that's a fine like value for a quarterback who you're not really going to play absent everything, but it's unequivocally a bad trade for the for, by the 49ers because a, if the idea is get Lance into a place where he can be QB two, he's going to be QB three in Dallas for sure this year and maybe QB two next year. You've guaranteed nothing by trading him that like gets him in a better situation, quote unquote. So first of all, that whole explanation is out of the window, but more importantly, Last year, you gave Trey Lance the reins. You were going to let him run with the season, and he gets hurt. Brock Purdy plays well. I'm not saying Brock Purdy didn't play well, and it's Purdy's team. Undeniably, Purdy should be the starter. He's played the best out of, like, any 49ers quarterback so long as Kyle Shanahan has been here. He deserves to be, like, QB1. But what has changed so dramatically to where Trey Lance is no longer worth having on this team? where Brandon Allen is a more valuable third quarterback. I think that's the part that's idiotic to me because you traded all that capital for a player and maybe you misevaluated, but you haven't like shown anything to say why he's going to be good or bad. You, The Niners essentially cut bait with Trey Lance way earlier than they needed to. There was no need to trade him now. Whatever distraction he would cause, is kind of kind of secondary. I mean, all reports say that, you know, he asked for an opportunity to compete elsewhere. But if you don't trade him, you're not going to like, that's not the end of the world, right? I understand giving him his opportunity. And I think the Niners did right by acquiescing to his trade request. To the place he sent, I think they did him wrong. But that's another thing entirely. I think that doesn't give Lance what he wants, the situation. But I think overall, in terms of like, your quarterback room. How is it that after spending all this, like all this capital and investing this much time in Lance, do you in the off season decide let's sign Sam Darnold. I think he's going to be better than Lance. Let's sign Brandon Allen. Oh, wow. He's also better than Lance. Like what type of analysis, like evaluation is going on here to make this determination. It doesn't make any sense to me. It feels like, the Niners kind of rushed into a decision, and now there's a lot riding on Brock Purdy's shoulders. Now, that's only partially true. I think it's hard, like it's easy, I think, to like flip the scenarios, right? Let's just assume Brock Purdy is the guy you traded all the like picks for, and Lance is the flyer quarterback, and you get rid of Lance. No one's talked about anything. And I think the Niners have insulated them well enough to where this is not a debilitating like situation, but I'm more concerned about like the process than like any of the results. I think it's, it was smart to like take a stab at a quarterback, but taking a stab at a quarterback felt like a very like gut reaction to the injuries and Garoppolo's play in 2020. It felt very much like, a, okay, like, I need someone else. We've got to get someone else. We've got to, like, this is how we're going to be the next team. We've got to upgrade. And then it's like, 
Oh, he's not an upgrade? Fine, let's go back to what we had before. Oh, there's another guy who's maybe an upgrade? Let's cut bait. Like, it's a very rash decision-making at quarterback. And I just, I, I worry that, like, if Brock Purdy isn't the answer, and there's no reason to think he isn't the answer. I think he's played so well. Like, if there's one thing out of this entire situation, it's that Purdy has not shown for a single moment that he should be like a guy. He isn't the guy. And I think that's super exciting. And it's been overshadowed by like Lance being around the team and them having invested so much in him only to have Purdy be like the guy. But I just worry that the decision-making is a little too flawed. So it's, I think it was a bad trade. I think it's a, it was a bad idea. I don't agree with like their process. I don't think there's a world where you can tell me that like having Brandon Allen on this team is better than having Trey Lance other than like the 2 million in cap space you save. And I don't think that's like justifiably worth the trade. So it's, it's a bad, it's a weird situation. It's, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's just not an example. Not Kyle Shanahan. It's not, it's not weird. <laughs> I think it's, it's unusual. Just, it's, they can spin it however they want. I, I, I know, I know. I just think it's, it's funny. Oh yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so it's too impulsive. I think that's the yeah. problem. Yeah, yeah. That's like the end result of it. Yeah, I mean, and that's been kind of how they treated the the whole situation to begin with. I mean, that's it's been the quarterback situation with the Forty Niners since Shanahan arrived, right? It's been like long-term plan that he doesn't really stick with that you know as soon as it kind of starts to go awry it's like ah well okay well not let's not do that because i mean because if you think about it like the beginning when they first got here the plan was oh we're just going to put somebody in a stop gap and those stop gaps kept changing and you know how many quarterbacks did they go through in the first year that they were here and then all of a sudden they make the very sudden move for garoppolo even though everybody was really sure that they were going to make a run at Kirk Cousins in the offseason. Um, okay, well, they just give up a second, you know, second round pick. If he's not good, they can still go get Kirk Cousins. Instead, he's pretty, you know, he looks pretty good. That whole thing. We don't have to legislate all that. That all happened. Um, but I think it does sort of match up with the way that they've operated at the quarterback position really since Shanahan has been here. And it's just weird because he's not really like this anywhere else, right? Um he doesn't seem to treat other positions in the same way with the same sense of um, the second you disappoint me, you're kind of out the door. It, in other circumstances, it's harder to kind of get your foot in the door, right? We've seen that with with other players and that, like, you know, wide receiver and, and running back. Like it, it takes you it takes them a long time to like acclimate and like get his trust or whatever. But usually once you're in, you're in kind of thing, right? I mean, if you look at Brandon Ayuk, he had a, a rough start. Um, but, you know, once he's kind of earned that position, he's kind of held that position. I don't know. It, it, as you say, it's really strange. I mean, the only real explanation for it that I can see, and this doesn't really necessarily explain why you get rid of him so much as it does why he isn't the second quarterback. And I think we talked about this last time is just the whole he's very clearly a better player when he gets more opportunities to, to, to get the reps and get those, those opportunities and the rhythm player thing that he has going is pretty, pretty obvious. And speaking of Trey Lance in this case, but as you said, I'm not sure he's going to get more <laughs> opportunities in Dallas than he would have gotten if he had stayed here. So that makes that all the stranger, and I think it just has to do with, you know, the reason he's going to Dallas is because Dallas offered them the best opportunity or the best draft compensation. Right. Um, if it had been someone else, they would have sent him, sent him somewhere else. Um, uh, they probably would have sent him almost anywhere except for, you know, like an immediate. Uh, they probably wouldn't have sent him to Seattle, for example, or something like that. But otherwise, I think it, he just was going to go wherever the best compensation came. And I don't know. Um, I'm sure this will be legislated for years and years to come. Um Especially if, if the conspiracy theorists who have their their uh, their tinfoil hats out right now are talking about how oh well Dallas can move off of uh, off of uh, Dak Prescott's contract at the end of this year and yada yada yada, 
Um, I don't know if if Lance somehow becomes a 15 year starter with the Cowboys, then, you know, the Niners are probably kicking themselves. But if Brock Purdy is also a 15 year starter for the 49ers during that entirety, um, during the entirety of that period, I don't think they're going to make too much of it at this point. Right. I mean, if 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 it works out for everybody, yeah, you have to look back and go, OK, everybody kind of met that up um and as you said some extenuating circumstances of things like injuries and all that's all that other thing that all those other things that happened but if it if it ends up working out if brock purdy is indeed the guy for for the 49ers and kyle shanahan if trey lance turns out to be the guy for the for the cowboys um you know it'll be hard to to look at this and go well that didn't work out for everybody i don't know Maybe I'm just being optimistic in that particular point of view, but that's just kind of the way I see it. Obviously, I don't want him to be a good cowboy because cowboys, nobody likes cowboys, right? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, though, I don't think, I don't know, though, because there's kind of like, Jerry Jones, like, traded for him without telling anyone, which is (laughs) ridiculous. That that sounds right. I mean, whatever. Okay. I just think this entire thing is basically a question of is Brock Purdy can Brock Purdy be like a good play like a great player not even a good player Brock Purdy has to be a great player otherwise this doesn't work and the reason why it doesn't work is cuz Lance wasn't drafted to like just be a Shanahan quarterback he was drafted to change what a Shanahan quarterback can be that's like that was the point of getting a guy as toolsy as him. And Purdy is not that, as great as Purdy is. So Purdy has to be, like, beyond elite in order for this whole thing to make sense. Otherwise, it's kind of like we're going to be back almost in the same exact position they were in 2020 where they were trying to find the guy who can be the next, like, take the next step for their team. So I don't know. It's a it's a gamble for sure. I don't think Purdy's done anything to warrant like not being considered that guy so far. It's just hard to like it's hard to predict how good Purdy's going to be because he's just you know it's there's so much unknown right now with how how will the league respond to him. What is his play like? It's a fascinating. It's an interesting situation. It's like especially if they end up. If they win a Super Bowl or if they never get to one and Shanahan and Lynch are fired, this is one of those 30 for 30 type situations. Mm. <laughs> That's for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things to, to watch out for in this situation. Um, I mean, as you said, and as we both said, I think um, the weird part is that it it doesn't feel like Lance is going to be in a, in a better situation like that's that's the thing that that confuses me about it, right? Is this this whole okay? Well, he wasn't the reason they didn't keep him in San Francisco is because he wasn't getting any reps. He wasn't going to get any reps as the third quarterback, and they recognized that he needed reps in order to improve. And yet, Dallas has a starter, and for all intents and purposes, they have a backup quarterback, Cooper Rush, who they seem to like. And Lance is coming in cold. He's been with the team for a couple of days now he's got to learn the whole playbook there's no way in the world he starts the season as the backup quarterback it's just weird um i mean we don't have to get into all of that but it is it's strange like it seems like it's a new start in a place where it's it seems unlikely to improve for him and i in that regard because he seems like a, a a good kid you know with a good head on his shoulders and all that stuff I feel bad for him because what if he just realizes that it's just like the grass is not greener over here. It's just, you know, a bigger stadium in a different place. I don't know. Who knows? I, it's, it's a weird situation. Hopefully it all works out. I mean, I think minus the fact that it's the Cowboys and that sucks. <laughs> I think, that, I think the best case scenario for all the parties involved is that like, Lance and Purdy both end up having very successful careers. Purdy probably a little better because we are Niners fans at the end Correct. of the day. Yeah. And, you know, it becomes like a story of having a great quarterback room and as opposed to a bad decision either which way. Right. Absolutely. 
Well, there we go. Um, well, Trainlands, we hardly knew ye. Um, best of luck to you, except for in week five of this year and any time that it impacts the 49ers. Um, <laughs> so I think that's the final word on that for now. Um, so it's uh, it's time to talk about people who are on the 49ers roster. Um, so obviously roster cuts had to be done. Was it yesterday by 4 p.m. Eastern time? Um, that, uh, that happened for all the teams. Uh, they had to cut down to 53 players. We, we like to talk about how it's like the final 53 man roster, but of course that's not true because teams are going to change players on the roster throughout the year. And even the, the it, when we look at the, at, at the roster that we're going to kind of run through, we're going to talk about what the initial group was that was named on Tuesday. Um, but we're already going to note that a couple of those players have been moved around. Uh, we're also going to take a look at the, um, at the practice squad and how that shake that shakes that's shaken out at the moment. I think it's pretty well set at this juncture. Um, and just uh, kind of give our reactions to it. We don't have to go through position by position because some of them are going to be really easy. Like um, right up, right up the top, the quarterback room is no surprise. You got Brock Purdy, you got Sam Darnold, you got Brandon Allen. Um, I think that's that's as expected. Once Lance was out the door, that was the way it was going to be. Um, I don't know. The three quarterback thing is is ceased to be surprising, right? Um, that's pretty much what Shanahan is doing um, at this point is especially, especially given what happened last year. Um, and given the fact that Allen will basically be able to be it, how's it work? Like he can be dressed now for every game because he can just be the emergency guy. Um, just in yeah. case kind of thing. So he's going to be in uniform every game, no matter what happens. Yeah, it's, it's so he has to be on the 53, but he doesn't right. have to be one of the active players. Right. So they so have, a... they don't, yeah, it works out that way actually for them. It, I mean, in the, it's an interesting thing just because of the way the practice squad is now set up and you have like weekly call-ups and the veteran players. So if you have a vet and you're willing to like, essentially they're willing to kind of stick around on that practice squad, you can basically, it's like, paying Allen a little more, but he's the practice squad quarterback. Right. That's the kind of, that's the way I'm viewing it. Right. So, and that explains as we'll, we'll talk about in a little bit why the practice squad doesn't have a quarterback because they don't really need one because Brandon Allen essentially is that guy. Um, but it allows them to keep that, that emergency quarterback in, which they um, seem to be really terrified about um, running back room. No, no surprises here. Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, uh, Ty Davis Price, Jordan Mason, and Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, it'll be interesting to see uh, whether or not Elijah Mitchell is ready to actually play um, week one. Uh, we have not seen him, goodness, in a long time because he – was he active for the NFC Championship game? I don't feel like he was because um, he hurt himself again, right, like later in the season. Um, so we haven't seen we haven't seen Elijah Mitchell for a long time. Um, obviously when he's been healthy, he's been fairly productive, but that has been very little over the course of his two years in the NFL. Um, I thought Ty Davis price looked really good throughout training camp and in the preseason and may be making a case for, uh, to get to actually begin some snaps this year, which, cause he didn't really get any offensive snaps as a, as a rookie, um, Jordan Mason, I think still, has a good chance there. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey is the guy here. Um, no surprises here at all, right? Actually, we're all this is the way we expected it to go. Yeah, yeah. I think the biggest like storyline is just Ty Davis Price because he's been looking great, and you know Jordan Mason has a foot injury, if I'm not mistaken, so he might be getting some major snaps. And he's, I mean, he's looked good. So it's a third round pick that actually is pretty productive. Hey, what do you know? Speaking of Trey Sermon, he, he got cut by the Eagles. Just as a, a side note, so maybe maybe Kyle Shanahan was right about it or about, about that move, even if he was wrong about it initially. But neither here nor there. Um, wide receivers: Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray, and Ronnie Bell. Um, and then we can um, note here. So they had those six guys. Um, 
Danny Gray was added to the active roster and then immediately um, he went on IR after that, um, after being placed on that list. Um, we'll talk about more about what they did with that spot, but Danny Gray is on the IR, which means he'll be out for at least four weeks. Um, so that's notable that uh, collarbone or whatever it ended up being is going to keep him out for a little while. But it's interesting to note that Ray Ray McLeod did not go on injured reserve, which would be which would suggest that they expect him back before that four week mark. So very interesting to see. Um, and then, of course, the notable name here is the the one that um, I think interesting and surprising given where he was drafted, but not surprising given how well he played during the preseason. And that is the addition of Ronnie Bell to this group. Uh, it'll be really, really interesting to see what his role is this year. Obviously, early on, he'll probably be the main uh, kick and punt returner. But after that, does he play himself into a role so that they can't sit him down throughout the season? Who knows? We'll we'll see how that goes. But I, I'm I like this group. There's a, a lot of it's it's the, the top two guys that you expect and then a, a good mixture of different kind of players um, amongst the rest of them, for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the big thing, as you mentioned, is Ronnie Bell. He's kind of the X factor in this group, I'd say, because he can kind of do what a lot of the other guys all do. But it's just what will he be really good at and kind of like force the issue on because the Niners love Jawan Jennings at that third receiver role, even if they kind of hope for more and he doesn't necessarily give it what he does is what they want there. Denny Gray, the injury sucks, but when he gets back on the field, he has the speed that no one else has. Ray Ray McLeod. I think it's an interesting situation that he's, um, He's going, they're expecting him to be back before four weeks. I wonder if that might explain the decision to cut Deshaun Jameson, the cornerback, mm. was in the mix for kind of special teams, kickoff, punch return, kick return. If expecting him back made them think that they could, they didn't need him on the 53 and they could sneak him by. But we'll talk about that when we get to the cornerback room. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also really interested to see what, what Danny Gray will be come when he does return to this team and how long it's going to take him. Is he going to be back immediately uh, for week five um, in the aforementioned Dallas game um, or if it's going to be a longer term injury? And if so, because this was a this was a guy that we all kind of agreed was drafted with a a little bit more of a stronger armed quarterback in mind. Right. Um, and whether or not Brock Purdy fits that uh, profile is, is, you know, questionable, I think, to a certain extent. So. Danny Gray might have to recreate himself a little bit. And I think he's clearly shown enough uh, to make it on this team. And we'll see what happens with that. Um, tight ends. Tight ends is an interesting group. <laughs> Terribly unsurprising in some cases and kind of surprising in others. Uh, George Kittle, obviously here. And then Ross Dwelly, who I believe you <laughs> compared to. Uh, did you re- did you compare Ross Dwelly to Dante Johnson last week? Is that Yeah. Time? Yeah, uh, he's becoming the offensive the offensive uh, Dante Johnson. He just keeps coming back. Um, Charlie Warner and then Braden Willis, a surprising uh, kind of inclusion here. I kind of expected that they would just go with with the Kittle Dwelly Warner trio. Um, it's interesting. It, it, I, I think that's good that they clearly thought enough of Braden Willis that they didn't want to subject him to waivers and all that kind of stuff. Um, they thought he showed enough. I think he has the ability to, if he kind of just continues to improve, he might be the guy here that could, that could break out. Like, I think he's shown a lot more than any of these other guys have. Um, and then he's, he's shown a lot more and he just has the more innate ability than, than a guy like Cameron Latu, who um, they chose to place on injured, injured reserve without putting him on the 53 man roster, which means his season is over. Um, I think it makes sense that that meniscus um, surgery is probably like a month to a month and a half out. Uh, and frankly, given the troubles he had over the preseason and throughout training camp, I think it makes sense to just let him because this means he he'll he'll be recovered in about a month and a half, maybe two months at the worst. And then he has the rest of the season to just practice and 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 work out and get better without any repercussions whatsoever. He can just improve and work on his skills and all that kind of stuff. And he doesn't have to worry about, Oh, there's a game coming up and all this kind of stuff. So um, interesting group for sure. Um, I don't know if you have thoughts on this one. 
I mean, just excited that Braden Willis made the roster. Um, quick self-promotion article. Braden Willis will be unsung hero of 2023-2024 49ers <laughs> season. It's out there. It was out there from draft week. So nice. just saying. But I think he has a receiving ability that the Niners need. He's a little more, I'd say, pro-ready than Latu when they drafted the two of them. So even if his ceiling isn't necessarily high, I expect him to get a few snaps. Other than that, it's kind of whatever. Like, Ross Drelly, he made it again. That's amazing and very surprising. <laughs> good for him. Charlie, War- Charlie Werner, I thought, had, like, a good rookie year. Last year, second year, kind of fell off the rails a little bit. But I think there's some potential there. He's a great blocking tight end. Kittle's Kittle, obviously. And I agree with you on Latu, I think. It's super... That's, like, a good place for him to be. He clearly needs time to adjust to, like, being a tight end. And this is kind of the redshirt year. And I think it'll be it'll work out great for him. Yeah, agreed. Um, offensive line is next. Uh, let's see. We got uh, Trent Williams, shockingly. Aaron Banks, Jake Brendel, Spencer Burford, Colton McKivitz. And then it gets a little strange. Um, first of all, they kept nine offensive linemen, which I – think is a little unusual for the for this team um and those uh reserves are jalen moore john feliciano matt Pryor, and nick sakel um so i'm pretty much good with like most of this group and i was not surprised by most of this the starters obviously i had john feliciano and matt Pryor in there as your you know veteran Matt Pryor is a swing tackle. Feliciano is the swing interior guy. Um, but the Jalen Moore thing kind of came out of nowhere. I thought he'd been struggling throughout camp, but he seemed to pull it together late. Um, but it's the Nick Sakel thing that I can't understand. And uh, Aksha has any due to explain it to me right now. So explanation I saw online is that <laughs> Nick Sakel they thought he would have a lot of interest on waivers and they hoped that ill Manning who ostensibly they cut instead of Nick Zakel would pass through waivers because he's a rather undersized, you know, oops. small combo player. And yep. Oops. He got picked up by the Cardinals who have like priority six, I think. So pretty quick pickup. I think, it's a, it's basically, it's a call on who they think will pass through. I think they chose wrong. I know you certainly think they chose wrong. Um, another player I think they could have kept, they could have gotten rid of <coughs> instead of Nick Zakel is Matt Pryor because I think Jalen Moore really pulled it together in his final preseason game. He played really well, and I think Pryor has not really shown enough to me to justify staying on the roster. I don't think you need two backup tackles. I think you're fine with the combo tackle and having yeah. a younger guy there. So that's tough. That's a disappointing loss because I think Manning really showed out. But that's kind of Agreed. the way it goes. Yeah, um, I'm right there with you. Um, I don't know. I, f- I feel like the, the prior Feliciano moves were pretty much set in stone from the moment they got signed. Um, it's just kind of something that this team does. They like to have those, I don't know, those depth guys. But I, I do agree. It does seem strange, and it, especially considering the fact that one of those guys is probably not going to be active, right? They're probably not going to have more than eight offensive linemen active on game day. Um, so it seems like a strange cut. Maybe they're thinking, I have no idea what they're thinking, um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, all right, defensive line. Defensive line, which is strangely thin, or at least was strangely thin for the initial uh, uh, 53-man roster. Uh, there's only eight guys. As I, said, I think this would be this if this number had stayed. This would have been the lowest number of defensive line I think they ever kept. Um, but the group initially was Eric Armstead, uh, Javon Hargrave, Cleland Farrell, Javon Kinlaw, Jay Jackson, Kevin Givens, Robert Beal Jr., and Kalia Davis. Um, now. That this group has changed already, but let's start with the very obvious thing, and that is the missing name from this group that really, frankly, just makes this this the entire group feel significantly less imposing. Yeah, I mean, what's there to say right now is kind of, con- is, I think we're getting to the concerning part 
with Nick Bosa. Season's coming up, and we, you know, I think this is the time where the Niners might start to feel a little pressure. There are a couple reports, reports in huge, like biggest, boldest, like double italicized, like quotation marks you've seen <laughs> that A, the Niners might trade Bosa, and then B, from a far more reputable source, that the Niners and Bosa are coming close to a deal and Bosa's expected back within the next couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the Niners are trading Bosa. That's ridiculous. No. I think the discussion is the idea that, like, first of all, people are, like, comparing it to the Forrest Buckner situation. Totally different. Now, was the Buckner trade a good idea? Not really, but you know, the idea was they knew exactly who they could replace Buckner with at that moment, and they'd be fine. That's not going to happen with Bosa. Bosa is also, like, if not the best defensive edge player in the NFL, like, the second best. And I don't think he's number two. He's incredible. He is the reason the 49ers win games. I think we've discussed kind of part and parcel throughout this entire like process why this is a difficult negotiation. And it has everything to do with the fact that Bosa is going to be the highest paid edge rusher, but is he supposed to be the highest paid defensive player? And we don't know where he slots in between Aaron Donald and TJ Watt. That's kind of the gray area of his contract. And that's a much harder discussion than like, let's make you the highest paid player and go from there. This is like a fundamental (laughs) discussion of worth, but you know, it's a little stressful, but I think, I think Bosa is a gamer, which is the most important thing. He's ready. I think he wants to play and he'll probably show up ready to go. And I think because of that, the Niners will be able to get this done fairly soon. Yeah, I agree. Um, and here's hoping that the the guy who actually works, you know, for that we can confirm his identity and his job um, is more correct than the other guy. Um, outside of Bosa, any surprises here in terms of the group? Obviously, we'll get to a couple of alterations that have already been made to this group of eight players uh, here in a minute when we get into some transactions that have been made since this was this roster was released but frankly i nothing terribly surprising uh for me um other than the fact that it was very defensive tackle heavy which was interesting yeah um i i'm excited by robert beal making the roster because i don't think he got a chance really to kind of show whether or not he should make the roster honestly he was hurt for most of the training camp but he's a nice little change of pace guy on the defensive end. Other than that, kind of like standard, it's going to be interesting. I think Javon Hargrave, not Javon, Javon Hargrave kind of adds another element on the interior. And I think this will be a, a weaker Bravo unit for the 49ers than before, but a stronger like alpha unit starters and backups they rotate a lot and i think they're still deep but i think the starters are really going to carry it this time right and and that's the reason that you bring in a guy like hargrave right is so that the the initial group is 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 so strong that you feel pretty comfortable um kind of running it out there and that's like that's the thought right like you have you put yourself in a position where you feel like your your starters can match up with anybody um, and whether or not that, that works out, it remains to be seen. The the thing is going to have to be about the depth. Cause that was the, that, that ended up being the difference between their defensive line and, and like say the Eagles defensive line last year was that depth. Um, so let's just, let's speak to that depth a little bit more. Um, we haven't gotten to the end of this yet, but, um, we talked about Danny Gray going on the injured reserve. They also added the aforementioned Robert Beal jr. To the injured reserve list. So both of them will be out, um, uh, until at least week four, through at least week four, sorry, so they'd be eligible to play uh, for week five. In doing so, they added uh, Austin Bryant and Kerry Hyder Jr. back to the mix. Um, they were both uh, vested veterans, I believe, so when they were released um, uh, prior to cutdowns, they didn't have to go through waivers, so they were able to just be like, hey guys, we're going to cut you for now, and we're going to immediately bring you back as soon as we put these two guys on on injured reserve. No big deal. No harm, no foul. So what that brings us to on the defensive line currently is Armstead, Hargrave, Farrell, Kinlaw, Jackson, 
Givens, Kalia Davis, um, and then uh, Kerry Heidner and Austin Bryant. So that adds a little bit more edge rush presence to it. Um, Kerry Heider is kind of that tweener guy. He played on the edge technically uh, during the 2020 season with the 49ers, but that was when, um, you know, they basically didn't have any other options. Um, and then, of course, they will eventually add Bosa to this group. That adds a whole nother kind of layer to this. The one thing we didn't talk about is because Bosa never reported, they technically were able to add a, a, another member to the roster. So there is somebody else who's going to be removed from this roster once Nick Bosa signs. Who that is remains to be seen. Um, it will be interesting to see how that will work out. Um, but I think that brings them to, what, nine defensive linemen in total, which I think is still a little low. I think they will get to that 10 number once they add Bosa, and they'll they'll, they'll take somebody off somewhere else. I don't know where that will be. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe one of those additional tight ends, or maybe that explains why they have two offensive tackles in the reserve position just to get prepared. I have no idea. Um, that's just me speculating. I have nothing, nothing to go on there. Those are just my thoughts. Or it could be this following position, which is the linebackers, where they have six, which is also an unusual number for them. Um, I think they've usually carried like between four and five linebackers. So six is really interesting. Uh, Fred Warner, obviously. Dre Greenlaw, obviously. Oren Burks is still here. Uh, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles. Uh, he's 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 getting a little, uh, um, you know, <laughs> he's getting a little uh, Rostoelli, uh, Dante Johnson light kind of situation going on. DFF is. Um, and then two rookies, Jalen Graham and D Winters. Um, to me, Akshaz, this group and there being so many of them says more about the fact that they really liked both these rookies and they didn't want to cut either of them, but they didn't know what else to do with these, with the veterans that they felt really comfortable with in that starting position, in that third linebacker starting position, but also special teams guys. That's what this says to me, that they had no intention of leaving Jalen Graham and D Winters off this team. And so they felt like they had to load up here just in case. Yeah, I agree. I think that that's kind of the sense I'm getting to. It's very, it feels very much like they knew they had to keep Graham and Winters, but they just weren't willing to pull the trigger on the other guys. Honestly, kind of disagree with them there. I think Graham and Winters more than showed themselves. Honestly, I think the Niners would be totally fine just running Warner, Greenlaw, Graham, Winters, and like, choose one between Burks and Flanagan Fowles. Yeah. I don't think you need like honest neither of them really to me scream keep on the roster. Mm-hmm. I think Oren Burks contract wise is kind of very safe and Flanagan yes. Fowles not so much. They're both Correct. great on special teams, but the one thing I don't want to see and I think we're gonna see and I'll be really sad when this happens week one at Pittsburgh is Burks or Flanagan Fowles playing that third linebacker role. I really want the Niners to give that opportunity to one of Graham or Winters because I think they can actually make a difference at that position in a way the other two players can't. But in terms of the roster, seems all fair and square to me. It's an interesting idea to load up on six, but sometimes when you have really good players, you kind of work around them. Yeah. And, and and again, I think some of this might be coming down to the fact that they get that extra spot with Bosa not counting against the roster right now. And so, you know, they get to keep a couple of extra guys for a little bit longer. Maybe it's only a couple more days. I don't know. But this isn't this is a position that I could definitely see them taking one of these guys off because I I initial my my final prediction was Warner Greenlaw. Planning and fouls, Graham and Winters because of the contract situation. Oren Burke saves the money um, in in the immediate time frame, and uh, Flanagan and fouls would cost them money to release him now. So interesting. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, hopefully, that's something we have to be just thinking about here in the coming days. Um, another position that I was surprised that they went short on was the cornerback group. Uh, Traverius Mooney Ward, uh, Diamondo Lenore, Samuel Womack, Embry Thomas, and Isaiah Oliver. Um, so you alluded to an issue here. So now is the time. Take the floor on what did they mess up here, Akshas? Yeah, so like we kind of prefaced, Deshaun Jameson, who played very well in the beginning of training camp, kind of slowed down a little, but was certainly, I think, one of the five best corners on this roster. 
was released and did not clear waivers. He was picked up by the Panthers. And I think this was this was another example of um, this is maybe a guess that Raver McLeod is going to be back sooner than four weeks, so you don't really need his position, along with the hope that a 5'9 corner is not going to get that much interest. But yeah. I think it was a mistake. I think Jameson was playing really well. I th- it's a hard cut to make because the only player you can cut to keep Jameson is Isaiah Oliver. Like, it's one-to-one. There's no other player that I think you could justify cutting. I think Womack played better than Jameson. I think Thomas played, was like, a, is a starter now. Lenore and Mooney were like guaranteed starters. So it's really Oliver and Jameson. And I think they made the wrong choice. And I yeah. think there are two reasons why they made the wrong choice. First is the idea that, like, you know, Oliver just didn't play well. And Jameson played better. There's more upside with Jameson. And I think, like, you should just keep the better player in this situation. Secondly, the Niners have been, like, very adamant about the idea that, like, oh, we want to keep our, like, Oliver around for these bigger matchups. But you have a rookie third-round pick safety in Jair Brown that allows you to run three safety sets where you can bring a safety down to kind of be that big nickel player. So I don't actually think that that's a good reason to keep Oliver. Furthermore, you have like the unicorn of all unicorns of linebackers and Fred Warner who can actually just cover slot receivers. I don't think you need a player like Oliver. And I think it's, it was, it's a kind of silly decision I didn't expect them to do anything else, but right. you know, well, you kind of you kind of hoped that they kept Jameson. I, yeah, I mean, it was it was a financial thing when it came yeah. down to it, right? Too, um, they they're right up against the cap, and obviously, the Bosa extension will actually save them money this year in probably a fairly significant amount of money um, this year. But you know, throwing away. I think it would have been like two and a half million dollars or something like that in dead money if they had cut him. Um, certainly had to have been weighing on their mind. But yeah, I think in the in the long run, letting because I had all all six of those guys making the team: Ward, Lenore, Womack, Thomas, Oliver, and uh, Jameson. Um, but that was just me, and I'm not in charge. So nonetheless, um, a position that I that I just nailed because four safeties tends to be the 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 number that they go with, probably for reasons that you're referring to they have some versatility in their defensive backfield so we got Hufanga Talano Hufanga Deshaun Gibson George Odom and Jair Brown um no shocks here um I think the George Odom of it all kind of makes one or it, this is one of the reasons that I'm so surprised about the sixth linebacker thing is because George Odom technically fills that other sort of special teams ace kind of guy that's why they signed him in the first place um but neither hand or there. This is not a surprising group in any way, shape, or form. Uh, this is who they are. Yeah, I mean, only real interesting thing here is will we see um, Jair Brown get some snaps as a rookie in three safety sets? Other than that, really nothing to write home about. Kind of, again, Odom is it's hard, how do I put Odom is like I was really happy that they signed Odom and Burks because I think that was a investment in special teams that they needed and they got the payoff. But now I think Odom is definitely the player to keep as opposed to Burks. So I'm glad they kept him, but the roster you're starting to look for who can play as good as them and do something else. But Odom, I think second team all pro is a special teams player, if I remember correctly. So, you know, Really, really good for his role. It's a, it's a solid group. Mm-hmm. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, we uh, finished with the specialists, Mitch Wisnowski, Tabor Pepper, and Jake Moody, who, of course, is going to make the roster. No surprise there. Um, whether or not he will be ready to go for week one is another thing altogether, but here he is, and we're ready to go. Although, I think um, the next group that we're going to talk about might indicate that they feel okay about about Moody being ready but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. The other thing that I want to note is that this is really interesting. We talked about whether or not there was room for all these 49ers draft picks after the draft happened. And 
actually, they all made the roster basically <laughs> in one way or the other, right? Um, all of their draft picks made the team. Um, obviously, Robert Beal um, makes the team and goes on IR. Um, Cameron Latu goes on IR before he makes the team, but they didn't release him. He's not on somebody else's team. And then the only other one is Daryl Luter, who is on the pup list and will be another interesting player to see what they choose to do with him throughout this year. Um, I, I, I'm not exactly sure how that works. If he comes off the pup list, he has to go to the active roster or something. I don't remember what the rule is, um, but that will certainly be interesting to see if he displaces anybody or if they just leave him there for the whole year and just let him kind of redshirt too. Um, eventually they'll have to make a decision, but at this point that's where they are. But it is really interesting that they all ended up making the roster in some form or another when we were talking about, is there room for all these players? And there was in fact, they just had to get a little creative with it. Yeah. Um, I think so. There are like two parts of it for me. Part one is like, Great, like, there's some great finds there. Like, heading out of the draft, I did not think Jalen Graham and B. Winters would look as good as they did, but and Ronnie Bell, but those three, phenomenal. Like, incredible players absolutely deserve their spot. I think there's a little bit of difficulty in letting go with some players, namely Braden Willis. I'm glad they kept him, but I think that's more of a, well, do we really need to release a tight end? I don't think so. So let's keep him around type situation. And then Luter, I think him and Latu both being injured in their various ways and Beal Jr. kind of let them get around some tough decisions they might have to make later. But, you know, that's also part of the game of setting up your roster is having those injuries and working around them. But it's an interesting situation, I think. It bodes well that they're able to replenish their roster with this young talent, and hopefully you get some of those surprise players really making an impact for this team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, so the last thing we'll look at will be the practice squad. Um, So I believe the practice squad, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. Um, is still technically short a player at this particular point. They have 16 players, but one of them is Alfredo Gutierrez, who doesn't count against the uh, the number, the, the 16 that they can have because he is uh, since some an international uh, player program. He's been around, he's been with the team for a long time. Um, now he's a, a a massive human being uh, who plays offensive line. He's from Mexico. Um, and he doesn't count against their practice squad number. He can he can be on there because of that international group. So what they have here is Alex Barrett, who's a defensive lineman. Uh, he's been with the team for a couple of years now. Jack Coletto is back. Hooray. I'm, I'm excited about that. I don't know if he's going to play a role in this team, but it's just kind of cool that he's here. Um, Chris Conley, uh, one of those uh, <clears throat> veteran guys coming back. Marlon Davidson. Uh, Troy Fumagalli, Alfredo Gutierrez, who we mentioned. Brian Hill is a running back. I uh, should mention uh, Marlon Davidson, a, a defensive lineman, Fumagalli, a tight end. Uh, Brian Hill is running back. Um, Quantos Knight, cornerback. Uh, Corey Luciano is another offensive lineman. Tay Martin, wide receiver. T.Y. McGill, defensive tackle. Curtis Robinson, man, he's he's just sticking around, isn't he? Uh, is a linebacker. Willie Sneed, wide receiver. Trey Swilling, a cornerback. Leroy Watson, an offensive lineman, and Isaiah Winstead, another wide receiver. So interesting group there. Notable missing things we talked about already. No quarterback, but essentially because of the the emergency quarterback rule, uh, Brandon Allen serves as the as the practice squad quarterback and 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 that sort of thing. So I don't think they'll be signing one. Um, but they also haven't finished the squad, which kind of makes you think they're gonna hang around and see what the kicker situation is going to be like, right? That's that's what the last spot is held for, just in case Jake Mooney's not ready to go. I think so. I think the one thing that's interesting about the squad, and I'm going to take a look myself just to like make sure I'm not saying... Yeah, so the one player who I'm interested that didn't isn't on the practice squad, and I'm going to double-check where there is, is Arsino McRae Ball. Mm-hmm. Just what's it called? Really, really. I think he played really well, actually. But, um, you know, kind of lost out to the rookies playing much better. But doesn't seem to be on the practice squad. 
I yeah. haven't seen any reports he's on another team's practice squad, so he's an interesting player kind of for that reason. Yeah, and, but, that, and that could that could be a situation where if they decide they don't need a kicker, maybe they've already kind of contacted him and said, hey, we're going to bring you back if we have this spot, but we may need to do this kind of thing, so we'll see how it works out. Other than that, it's kind of a – it's an inter- I'm interested in knowing who they wouldn't have signed if the guys they wanted to clear waivers cleared them. That's, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, it's a pretty, like, smart-looking group. Big, important players I'm seeing. Jack Coletto, like you mentioned, it was a question of whether he'd clear waivers, but it seems no one really wants a fullback right now. He has hey, a, He's not just a fullback buddy. He's a fullback and maybe a quarterback and maybe a defensive lineman or a linebacker. We don't know. We haven't seen all these things. Exactly. He's a fun player. Chris Conley, super glad they got him. He's, I think, is going to be active week one as one of the practice squad call-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, Ty McGill played, T.Y. McGill played quite well. And then Willie Sneed Jr., he's hanging around the Niners now. And Leroy Watson the fourth, who is a developmental offensive tackle prospect. I think he's a year or two away from actually making a case for the roster, but he could be really good. So just a couple of names that I'm glad stuck around. You know, the Niners have a pretty good system of like integrating their practice squad up to the active roster at times. So these players could be making an impact. Yeah. And, and that's a good point that you made about like if they had, because we, we can assume that Deshaun Jameson and Ilham Manning would have been two guys that they wanted to bring back to the practice squad. So it would have been interesting to see how that would have shaken out this group. Um, you know, like does Trey Swilling make this practice squad if Deshaun Jameson is there? Probably not. Um, but the offensive line situation would have been very interesting. Maybe Corey Luciano is the guy who who loses out to that spot if Manning's able to come back. Um, very interesting group there. Um, but yeah, um, the the thing that stands out to me, and I and I wonder if this is true of most most teams, but this doesn't seem to be pretty. This does seems to be somewhat unusual for this season. Is I think all of these guys were with the the team previously. Like this isn't. They aren't bringing anybody in from the outside. This is all guys who cleared waivers and came back from guys that were already on the roster at some point um, during the preseason and during training camp. So that's that's very interesting. Like they're not they're not they didn't pull anybody in from the outside. So far as I could tell, I think this group is all guys that were with them at some point during the preseason, if I'm not mistaken. I think Trace Willing is the only maybe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think I'm not, he was. I'm not entirely sure. He was. He, they signed him to a futures contract in February. Um, I don't know what happened to him after that. So it could be that he wasn't on their practice squad, or he wasn't on their team during training camp, and they just brought him back because they had already signed him to a futures contract. That was the only one that stood out to me as as interesting as well. Yeah. Other than that, though, I think it's exactly like the Niners. Are, so we talked a lot. I mean, we started this podcast. I started this podcast, kind of lambasting the Niners for their handling of lands and kind of that whole situation. But if you like, and like the national media is doing the same thing as they well should. It's been a, it's a fascinatingly weird situation, but if you like objectively look at this team, this is like one of, if not the most talented 53 man rosters in the NFL. And that's a huge deal. And it makes sense that they want to keep kind of their own players in house, because honestly, of the players who got released, with the exception of like a couple of veterans who I don't think would sign onto the practice squad, there's not really a lot more to add. Like these guys are really, really good for what they need. And like I'm fully expecting Chris Conley to score a touchdown in Pittsburgh. That's just how it's gonna go. It's that type of like roster where the guys you kind of have on the fringes can still make a huge role and it's all about who do you think will make it through waivers, not necessarily who's like the best 53. Right. Yeah. 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 So that's how somebody like maybe Braden Willis ends up kind of staying on the roster. Maybe in another circumstance, they might've gone and, you know, we'll let him, we'll, we'll let him slide and see if he makes it through, but they liked him enough to, to say, we're not going to do that. Um, we want to keep him around. And I think maybe that will end up being a, a, a good choice, but um yeah, we'll see how things kind of uh, work out over the course of the next couple of days. Obviously, um, hoping that the the 
the the reports that Nick Bosa signing is on the horizon will be coming, and then they'll have another problem to deal with, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. But um, Akshay, any final words before we close this one out? Just like it's time, I think. You know, we're finally getting to a real regular season game. Next time, we're going to talk about the Steelers, and well, we might, we might actually just talk about the Bosa contract. Who knows? But the point <laughs> yeah. is, in soon. We'll talk about the Steelers and actually talk about an opponent, talking about games that matter. And, you know, there's a whole lot of drama with this team. It's really, really annoying. But we're going to get to play football games. And when you play football games, it doesn't matter what your roster was like. All that matters is how 60 minutes play out. So it's a fun time. I'm excited for it to get started. Well said, sir, as always. Um, Yeah, well, thanks. Uh, to everyone for listening to this episode of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Please continue to check out NinerNoise.com for all your latest 49ers news and analysis. And be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Mm-hmm.